Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Good morning. If you are visiting today, we are especially glad that you're here. And uh, we are going to sing in a little bit and have some congregational music, so don't, don't, uh, don't fret. Uh, as you know me by now, you know, I'm, I'm different, right? I'm different. So I thought we'd do something different this morning. While you've got your Bible, hopefully, if you want to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. As we all know, if you're visiting, actually, you may not be aware of this. We are uh, in the midst of looking for who will lead us as a church when it comes to our worship ministry. And uh, Heath did a fantastic job last Sunday finishing up uh, the book of Jonah. And so as we have been praying about this as a staff over many weeks and months, I thought, you know what, this might be an appropriate time uh, to examine what the Bible has to say about worship. Because I'm convinced that uh, even myself, I'm learning what worship is, uh, how to worship, who do we worship, when do we worship. Uh, And if you've grown up in church, sometimes actually, if you've grown up in church like I have, uh, sometimes you don't even have, uh, you might have a misconception sometimes of what worship really is all about. So I thought we would talk about that over the next four or five weeks and we will end on Easter Sunday uh, talking about who we worship, the risen Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bible, John chapter 4. Now while you're looking at it, let me say this. Um, thank you to uh, Alicia and uh, Matt and Hannah and our musicians for getting us going this morning. She sung a song that is actually straight from Scripture, by the way. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And a great way to get us going this morning. And by the way, I am, I am uh, thankful. I want to share this because today is their last Sunday. They will be back on Easter Sunday to be with us. But I want to just say a personal thank you uh, to Matt and Hannah for jumping in at uh, the last stroke of midnight, so to speak, and being with us the last four weeks. Thank you, guys. Dear friends, we love you, and uh, thank you for leading us in worship. We're honored that you have been here. You, you may have, uh, if you've grown up in church, you've probably been a lot through a, in a lot of church services. Some that you may say, man, that was so great, and it was good. I would ask you, why was it good? So be thinking about that. Or some that you may have been in that you thought, wow, that was, I don't even remember it because I fell asleep. Uh, And it was boring. And I hear that from some people, not so many people at Crossroads, but other church service is boring, worship is boring. Now, I'm not going to do what some pastors do uh, if they catch you sleeping, but I have a video that I saw this week. I want you to watch what happens in one church if people are bored and they fall asleep. So watch this. I think they've got it ready back there. See what you think of this. Don't go to sleep while I'm talking. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't, don't you lay your head back. I, I'm, I'm important. I'm somebody. Now, you might do your English teacher that way, but I'm not teaching English. I'm teaching eternal life here. I love you. You know I love you. Have I convinced you I love you? Uh, yeah. You better, th- you better nod your head. Yes, all right. Come on. Put it right there. All right. You stay awake and you listen to me. 
You say, well, he may never come back. Well, he ain't here now. It's kind of scary, isn't it? I will promise you I will never do that. So don't you worry. If you, if you didn't get enough sleep this week, losing an hour, and you, get, you kind of nod off, I will not do that. Uh, I dare say that person that he was embarrassing probably will never step foot in that church again. Maybe never any church again. So uh, I, don't, I don't go by that. But hopefully you won't be bored this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about John chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible, many of you know this story. It's when Jesus went through on purpose, divine appointment, to connect with a woman at Samaria. And uh, we've studied through the book of John before, and we've talked about this passage of Scripture, but not so much in terms of what we can learn about worship. So let's look at it. John 4, verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew the Pharisees had heard Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not doing the baptizing, his disciples were, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Divine appointment, divine conversation he's getting ready to have with this lady uh, at the well. He came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel ground that Jacob uh, gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or high noon, heat of the day. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and she said, he said to her, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. So let's stop there for just a minute. Here he has, he's gone to Samaria, needed to go there. He runs into this woman at the well. And you may, you may know, uh, Jesus left Jerusalem, uh, not because it was yet, not yet time for him to be uh, arrested and eventually led to be crucified, but he left because the religious establishment had so pressured him that he said, I'm getting uh, out of town, and he headed to Samaria. Now, who were the Samarians? You might remember this when we studied the book of John. When the Babylonians uh, conquered the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, this was this population of people that were taken captive. They were exiled to the Babylonian Empire. They were left behind because they were the lowest class of society and they didn't want, uh, the Babylonians didn't want these lowly people to be left behind. And so they uh, intermarried with different groups, non-Jewish culture. Long story short, basically they became the worst of the worst, the lowest class, those that lived in the gutter, those people that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. And yet here is Jesus having a conversation with this lady. Now before we even look at what he says to her about worship, I just want to share something with you that hopefully will encourage you this morning. You may come here this morning for worship and you might feel like you're the lowest, lowest of the low. And that Jesus don't have time for you. I got some news for you. Jesus has time for you. As a matter of fact, he makes time for you. We don't make time for him, but he makes time for us. It's, it's challenging in our culture in which we live, uh, you guys. That I've uh, kind of did some math here. 8,760 hours in a year. Let that sink in. 8,760 hours in a year. And yet, some people struggle to give the Lord one hour, maybe two hours a week. That's 52 hours, or 104 if you give two a week. 104 hours out of 8,000 plus hours. Jesus has time for you today. Matter of fact, Sundays is, is our time where we, the Lord's Day, where we collectively come together to give Him our time and uh, to worship Him. And I shared this uh, 
uh, this story with the, the group that came last Sunday night as we kicked off Disciple Life. We'll be doing that tonight, too. Same groups, 5 o'clock. I shared this with them, that can you imagine if my mother-in-law, I love my in-laws, Lynette's mom and dad, they're great, but can you imagine if she fixed a wonderful Thanksgiving meal? And we have told her, we're coming over there for Thanksgiving, she's got the spread, she's got the green bean casserole, she's got the pecan pie, she's got turkey, ham, chicken, pick your meat, because I know some of you, you know, you you don't like turkey because it puts you to sleep. I know, all the food, if you eat too much, puts you to sleep, by the way, that's a little secret you may not know. She has this big spread prepared, because we're coming. What would you think, what would she think? If I called her about an hour before we're supposed to arrive for Thanksgiving dinner and I just said, Mama, uh, we just passed the IHOP sign and I saw IHOP. We're going to swing into IHOP and eat. You go ahead and just have Thanksgiving meal. Uh, Yeah, I'm seeing some of your reaction. You're exactly right. She'd be getting in the car coming to hunt me down. It would not be very nice. Not not only that, but Lynette wouldn't let that happen. I mean, can you imagine? I want to say that to you because uh, I want you to know Uh, On Sundays, there is a lot of preparation that goes into Sunday. And so I appreciate what Matt said. We lost an hour. It's pouring down rain. You showed up. So I'm kind of preaching to the choir because the rest of them aren't here. There's a lot of work that goes into Sunday. And for sometimes, now there's legitimate reasons sometimes why we can't get here or why we have other things or family things, commitments. That's great. But just to say I'm going to make different plans. When the Thanksgiving turkey, so to speak, has been prepared, uh, wow, Jesus is ready to meet with you. The other thing that we see here is Jesus meets you right where you are. I know sometimes when I have come into worship as a a young person, and even in my college years, I used to come into worship thinking, wow, you know what, I've got to come all cleaned up. I've got to have everything right. I've got to have had my quiet time every single day this week. I've got to have not sinned any this week, and then I could come into worship. That's not ever going to happen. Jesus meets you right where you are, and he meets this lady right where she is, right here at the well, which if you know your biblical history, you'll know this was a very significant place that Jesus was going to, a significant place that she was at. Matter of fact, it was where Abram first came when he uh, arrived into Canaan from Babylon. You could Babylonia, you can read that in Genesis chapter 12. It is the place where Abram built an altar and dedicated to the, to the Lord in Genesis chapter 12. It was the plot of ground Jacob gave his son Joseph, Genesis chapter 48. You can read that. This is the place where Joshua made the covenant with the people of Israel Renewing their commitment to God, you can read that in Joshua 24. A lot of significant things had happened in this place, and Jesus meets this lady here. Can I just tell you, a lot of significant things have happened right here at 705 Anderson Ridge Road over the years. Significant things, significant spiritual moments, some significant altars have been presented to the Lord, some significant commitments, all the history that we now in 2023 stand upon all that history of commitment, spiritual significance. This is a spiritual uh, significant place that we gather in today. It's not just a church building. It's a, it's a church because we are the church. That's why it's significant. And Jesus shows up here. He meets this lady here. And by the way, uh, when I think about that, it was significant because that God had met with people there. That's why it was significant. Now, don't miss this. Because some of you are struggling, so I want to help you. The place that Jesus met her was not significant 
because they had a great projection system. It was not significant because they had a great band. It was not significant because they had a great sound system. It was not significant because they used a lectern versus the pulpit. It was not significant for any external reason that you and I can come up with. The reason that was significant is because God had showed up there. I'll let that sink in a minute. We can gather with any kind of music, any kind of accompaniment, any kind of musician, any, and I love the screens, any kind of screens, any kind of power, any kind of stuff we can gather with, but if the Holy Spirit of God is not here, we're just going through the motions. How is it that revival has broken out across our country in the last few months on college campuses where it was one person singing a solo, there was no music, there was no preacher, there was no screen, there was nothing. You know how? Because God chose to show up, that's why. And every Sunday, my prayer is, as we prepare as the musicians, the worship team, whoever's preaching, if it's Heath or me, as we prepare for the service every Sunday, my prayer is, God, please show up. Because all this other stuff, if you don't show up, we've just had a lot of little stuff going on and we go home and nothing really happens significant. So God shows up and meets this lady here at the well. And by the way, he doesn't condemn her. They begin to have this conversation. Let's pick it up. The Samaritan woman is there. He says, give me a drink, verse 9. She says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's still thinking about, where's your water pot? You're coming, you're asking me for water. You've come to the well. What's, what's going on here? She says, verse 11, sir, I see you. You don't have anything to draw with and the well is deep. Where then are you going to get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself? Jesus answered in verse 13, he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst of the water that I shall give him, because it will become a well of water springing up into eternal life. And the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty or have to come all the way to this well to draw water. She is still thinking about this physical water that she can get where she'll never have to drink again. And Jesus is talking on a whole different level about living water. She's an outcast. Here she is. Jesus is talking to her. Now, she doesn't know he's Jesus yet. She knows he's, a, he's not from her town. And here they are having this conversation, and she is wondering what's going on. And so Jesus gives her some instructions. Hey, go call your husband and tell him to come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you've well said you don't have a husband. Now, I think I said this when we studied the book of John. Let me stop for just a minute. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of preachers put their own emphasis on that statement that Jesus said. I don't know how Jesus said it. I wasn't there. But I know enough about the character of Jesus that I don't think he said it in a condemning, pointing his finger, accusatory way. I don't think he said, you're right. You are an outcast and a loser. You've been sleeping around with all these people and the guy you're staying with now is not. I don't think he said it that way, personally. I don't know. But I don't think so. I think he said, you know what? You're right. Basically, you've been trying to find spiritual 
spiritual support and life and real living water in all these different places. And the guy you're trying to find it from now, you're not going to find it there either. And she says, wow. Verse 19, I, I perceive you are a prophet. Uh-oh. It's almost like Jesus has knows stuff about her past that she hasn't even communicated to him. And here he is reading her mail, so to speak. He knows stuff about her that she hasn't told him. And the light bulb is starting to turn on a little bit. And she's wondering, how in the world does he know this? And then she changes the conversation to the heart of of the matter, which is the heart of the matter for every single boy, girl, man, woman in this place, and that is, who do we worship? With all the questions we could ask each other today, the most important question is that, who are we worshiping? Because, see, we all worship something. I mean, if you go to a ball game, you can watch, and people are worshiping. And sometimes their excitement or their lack of boredom, we'll say, since we mentioned boredom, or their lack of boredom is significantly less than maybe what they would have at church because they are so excited about these two teams on the, on the field. And so she changes the conversation. She does. She changes the conversation to the heart of the matter when she says, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship it's interesting to me that in trying to change a subject maybe she was trying to avoid this conversation about her husband's I don't know but in changing the subject what does Jesus do Jesus goes okay that's what you want to talk about we'll talk about that and he follows her with her conversation and he has something significant to say to her She brings up this argument about places to worship because she says our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Jesus didn't take the bait of getting into this argument about where they were going to worship because see, if, if you know your Bible history, you'll know this. You'll know that the Samaritans believed that Moses had commissioned this altar on Mount Gerizim, the mountain of blessing, and that that was the place that you had to worship. That was the place of blessing. That was the system that they operated on. But like all faith, we know on this side of history that we can worship Jesus wherever we want to worship Jesus. Why? Because the coming of the Holy Spirit, God is everywhere. God is everywhere in creation, too. God is big. God is huge. It kind of says something to me I kind of wrote in my notes there that, that scares me sometimes is... We, it, it is significant that we gather in this place. This is a significant place where we can gather. But the reality is, worship doesn't just have to happen in this building. Because, see, the, true, the trueness of whether we are worshipers or not is determined by if we worship when we leave this building. Here's what concerns me in our North American Christianity, especially in the Bible Belt. We go through the systems, as the lady was talking about there, the lady in the Bible that Jesus is talking to, when she says, well, this is what our fathers, she's saying, this is the system that we worship by. This is the robotic operation by which we worship. And we can be robotic in our worship too, church, in North America, especially if we have a great worship leader. Because he, may, he or she may say, stand up, and we stand up. And then they may say, sit down, and we sit down. And then they say, pray, and we pray. And we get robotic and systematic. And what can happen is it be- can become where we're doing that, and we're not even connected with the Holy Spirit of God. 
We're programmed like robots. God doesn't want a bunch of robots. God wants people who are worshiping Him because they love Him. He wants a relationship. And so Jesus is trying to understand what this lady is saying. A a relationship, I thought about this, with God a relationship is much like a relationship with our spouse. I see some wives punching their husbands going, yes, I'm like the Holy Spirit, aren't I? Be careful, be careful. But it is our relationship with God. That's why we talk about the bride of Christ and we are the church and we, and we have that whole uh, metaphors and analogies throughout the scripture. That's why Jesus gave us that because our relationship with him is supposed to be like a physical, intimate, personal relationship with a person. It's not supposed to be robotic. It's supposed to be like that, like it is with our spouse. Sometimes the reason, just being really honest, sometimes the reason our relationship with our spouses is boring is because we've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. We go to the same restaurant. We go to the, we're getting in that. We've been married 26 years. Sometimes you go to the same restaurant, order the same food, do the same thing. And then you wonder, like, why is our relationship boring? Well, it's boring because you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And our relationship with Jesus can be that way. It's interesting, this conversation that Jesus begins to have with her. And here's what he says to her when she says, Hey, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. You people say this. You say in Jerusalem's the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus answers her and says, This woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. What is he talking about? He's talking about one day you're going to worship me. You should be worshiping me me now. He's getting ready to drop a bomb on her in just a minute when he's when he tells her who he is. Here's a powerful statement that he says to her church. He says in verse 22, "You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews." What does he mean there? "You worship what you don't know." You know the reality is There are people who gather systematically. We'll gather on this Sunday, despite an hour later and despite rain. They'll gather all over the country. There are people in auditoriums, sanctuaries, worship centers all over America that will gather and they will systematically and ritualistically and traditionally go through the mechanisms and the outward appearance of worship, but they don't know God. And I would just submit to you with all the love in my heart, if you find yourself in that situation, it's not always the case, but one thing could be, one reason could be, is that you don't really know the Lord. I can honestly tell you, since I really genuinely gave my life to Jesus, now there's some Sundays I'm sick, there's some Sundays I don't feel good, okay, we all have those days. But averagely speaking, there's not a Sunday where I am not passionately excited about coming to worship. Because I know who I'm worshiping. I'm not worshiping the worship leader. My worship is not contingent upon who is leading the music. My worship is not contingent upon what song we sing. My worship is not contingent upon all the external things. Yes, those help us worship. That's why we have them. But my worship is not contingent upon those things. Praise the Lord. And and I I recognize 
that it is a blessing that I have received throughout my life. I recognize not everybody has got to do this, so I will say that up front. But praise the Lord, I've had the opportunity, and you do too. You just tell me where you want to go, and I'll get on a plane with you, and we will go. Praise the Lord, I've had an opportunity to be in other countries and see the way people worship. And you guys, we are spoiled rotten. I'll just tell you straight up, we are. When you can sit out in the rain in plastic chairs that are broken, some of which have one leg missing, and you can sit there and worship God for two hours, that's pretty evident. You're not there for the weather, and you're not there for the comfortable seating. You're there because you're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. That's why you're there. Don't get me wrong, we're not taking the chairs out next week. (laughs) This is a blessing, though, that we have this. It's tremendous. And Jesus challenges this lady, you're you're worshiping what you don't know. You're going through the systematic things, and you don't even know who the living water is. And I'm right here in front of you. I'm right here in front of you having this conversation, and you don't even know who I am. So the first thing I would say to us, as we think about this, and we think about this thing about worship, is we have to worship what we know. And here's what's true. It's very true similarly in my relationship with my spouse, in my relationship with my kids. The more I know them, the more I have communication with them, the more I love them. So if you're here and you go, you know, Pastor Jack, it's really hard, just to be honest, to, have, to, lo- to love the Lord right now. It's really hard to worship Him. And my question to you would be, how well do you know Him? Because the more you get to know Jesus, the more you realize how uh, filthy and ragged and undeserving you are. And how great and awesome and holy and majestic he is. And you will go, wow, Lord, tell me what to do. Yes, sir, I'll do whatever you say because you're my redeemer, my savior. I owe you everything. I, I have nothing to bring to the table. And the more you know Jesus and the more you realize that, the more you will be willing to freely worship Jesus. And that's kind of what... He's trying to get her to understand. He says this to her, an hour is coming and now is, verse 23, when the true worshipers, am I a true worshiper? Wrote that down in my, in, my, uh, in my margin there. Am I a true worshiper? When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be worshipers. Here's the second thing I see about this story as Jesus is communicating with this lady about worship. God is seeking worshipers. He is seeking worshipers today. To worship in spirit means you're concerned with the spiritual realities of life, that you try to shut your mind off to the external things that are going on in the world. I was having this conversation this week with one of our dear church members, and I know we all have different personalities. My wife and I are opposite when it comes to this. On Sunday morning, I could handle 90 minutes of music and a five-minute sermon. That's just the way I'm wired. Why? I'll tell you why. Because for the first 20 or 30 minutes that we're singing, I am wrestling trying to quit thinking about all the other stuff that's going on in my brain. And about the time we sing the last song, I'm fully focused on worshiping God. And then, up, oh, it's time for me to preach. Now, we're all wired differently. I'm just, I'm just being honest and being real with you. Somebody who worships, and I want to be worshiping in spirit. And somebody who's worshiping in spirit is plugged into the spirit. They're not thinking about, oh gosh, I got to do this when I get home. Oh, I forgot to call someone. I forgot to print that out. Oh, that's coming. Oh, that bill's due this week. All these thoughts. And for my friends in here that have ADDDDDD, you know what I'm talking about because that's me. 
So I'm trying to get rid of all that and go, Jesus, I am really trying really hard right now to focus on you, but the way you have made me, I'm all over the map. So help me focus. And if you're going to worship in spirit, you have to do that. To worship in truth means you're worshiping according to the whole counsel of what God's word says. Second Chronicles says it this way. I love this. Second Chronicles 16, 9. You might know this verse. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro across the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Some translations say those whose hearts are completely turned toward him. Sometimes on Sunday morning, that takes me a while to get my heart to turn completely toward God because I'm focused on all this other stuff. You know what that tells me? Maybe I should do some preparation on Saturday night. Start trying to dump my mind of all the stuff that doesn't matter and say, Lord, I need to prepare myself for worship. We, we are walking in. It doesn't matter what the room looks like, church family. We're walking in. If God is here, we're walking into a holy place. And there should be some preparation on our part. Because we're getting to commune and communicate and do business with the king of the world. And Jesus keeps having this conversation. He says, you've got to... God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The lady's starting to kind of figure this out. She's like, oh, you must be talking about the Messiah. Because she says in verse 25, hey, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to declare all this stuff to us. He's going to tell us all this stuff. And Jesus says to her, hey, guess what? The guy you're talking about, that's me. I'm here, right here in front of you. How many church services, being honest, how many church services I have sat in before I was really committed to the Lord and Jesus and the Holy Spirit was right here in my face trying to get my attention and I was so distracted with other things that really didn't even matter. And praise the Lord, He's relentless. He kept trying to get my attention. You're, you're, hello, I'm right here, I'm right here. The cool thing is, the awesome thing is, when you are experiencing fellowship with Jesus, when that's happening, and you know it, like the woman at the well, when Jesus finally says, hey, I'm him, and she's, oh, mind blown. What? When you start experiencing Jesus like that, and connecting with him in worship, you won't be bored. I've been talking to some friends, another one, dear friend here at our church this week, about what is it, what's it take to get the next generation to come through those doors? Why are they leaving? Why are they, why are they go to college and not come back? There's a lot of small reasons, but... And I actually researched this a little bit this week. You know what the biggest reason is? They're bored. That's why. They're bored. They're challenged more on the sports field in the academic arena, to step up and do things that are larger than life than they are in the church world. We spoon feed them. And we don't challenge them to step out on great faith. And so they look at it and go, ho-hum, that's not a big deal, I'm bored. 
What they think is, what they begin to think is, that the church is kind of, we're outdated, we've kind of served our purpose. Some of you won't remember this, but used to, you couldn't, there was no such thing as like Netflix and Amazon Prime, and those things didn't exist, young people. You didn't just watch movies sitting in your living room. You actually had to get in the car, and you had to drive over to this store called Blockbuster. And you would go into Blockbuster, and you would look through all these shelves of these things called VHS Tapes, and I don't even remember what VHS stands for. It must have been very heavy something. I don't know. But you look through these tapes on the shelf, and you would find what you want, and you would take it home, and you would watch it. And then the sad part was when you were done, you had to take that same tape, and you had to take it back to the store, and you'd be in really big trouble if you didn't rewind it. They would charge you extra because it took so much time for one of their staff to rewind the tape. You remember that? Some of you remember that. Some of you don't. Go home and Google it. I don't know if it'll pop up on the internet or not. But it's Blockbuster. Well, church, you and I know something. Blockbuster served its purpose. It's not here anymore because its purpose is done. The purpose of the church is not done yet. I would suggest to you, as we go through the next several weeks, months, I don't know how long it's going to take for God to lead us to whomever the person is that's going to lead us in worship. But whoever that person is, and there's a fine line between entertaining us, which is not what worship is about, by the way. There's a fine line between entertaining us and energizing us. And I am so grateful again for our friends, Hannah and Matt. I believe the last four weeks, what they've not only sung and shared and demonstrated has energized me to worship. And when I'm energized and when I connect with God and worship through the Holy Spirit and I connect with Him, I won't be bored. I won't be bored. So he has this conversation with this lady and the lights start to go on. I don't know what that looks like, by the way. I think for every group of people, every church is different. And we've seen it on the news, all this revival that's sweeping the country among college students. I know what it looks like there. Have you seen this? Can you, can you, can you show it to us? College students gathering in a room, no prompting. Nobody prodding them along the way. Just spontaneously. Breaking out in worship. I'm not saying that's what it needs to look like at Crossroads. But it is alive. People are engaged. And they're excited. I know we all have different personalities. We worship different ways. I'll just, you guys know me by now, I'm honest. I, I, I just sometimes wonder, not again, not so much at Crossroads, but as I look around and talk to other pastor friends, about how is it possible, if you truly know Jesus, if you truly know Jesus, which is key, 
And you have the opportunity to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ in worship. Some of us are singers, some of us are not. We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. There are a lot of other ways to worship besides music. We highlight that a lot in America. There are a lot of other ways to worship besides music. But how is it that if you know the Lord and you come into a setting where you can do that, where you can worship, whatever that looks like, for you to look like you just swallowed some sour buttermilk. Is there such thing, buttermilk? Does it go sour? No. It does. Okay. I thought buttermilk was already, never mind, sour milk. Okay. Man, we're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords who gave his life on a cross for me so that I don't have to endure eternal damnation in a place called hell, but I get to live in a place called heaven. I get to live forever with him. No pain, no tears, no sorrow, but extreme joy and happiness forever more and more. And not only to enjoy that in heaven, but get to enjoy that right now because I have a relationship with him. So real quick, just to wrap this up. What else happens to this lady? Jesus says, I am speaking to you. I am him. I'm the one. I'm the promised Messiah that you just mentioned. And at this point, the disciples walk into the conversation. Verse 27, they're marveling that he's been talking to this Samaritan woman. They've totally missed out on the whole conversation. So there's hope for us because even the disciples just right over the head totally missed the whole conversation that Jesus had. And they're concerned when they walk up. He's talking to a Samaritan woman, you guys. He's talking. I mean, that's what they're talking about. Meanwhile, the lady who, who was at the well... Who came to get water. What happens to her? Verse 28. She left her water pot. What? Thought she went to the well to get water. She did. She left her water pot. And she went into the city. And said to the people. The men. Come see a man who told me all the things I've done. This is not the Christ is it? Here's the cool thing. When you encounter Jesus, when you really encounter Jesus, you will realize He is all you need. See, here's the reality. Everybody in this room, pastor included, came in here today with a need. Now, I have in my own mind my predetermined need what I think I need. Because I know what I need. One of the things I need right now is help making a car payment. Because Tuesday I was going down 385 to check on... uh, Lyle Watson in the hospital in my 2006 Nissan Frontier. Isn't that a great vehicle? Well, no, yeah, that was debatable. I'm just kind of going down 385, and all of a sudden, boom. Not the hose, but the radiator pipe busted. I see steam everywhere. I throw it in the neutral. I watch the thermometer do like this all the way up to H, and I'm thinking, please, please, Jesus, help me. I roll off. I roll into a gas station parking lot. Call Donna, say, I'm probably not going to make it the next little bit. I call the wrecker, I get it hauled, they start working on it, I go pick it up. Guess what they tell me? Sir, you were not Johnny on the spot. You were not quick enough throwing that thing into neutral and cutting that thing off and getting off the interstate because the engine went boom. Guess what you get for your birthday? Happy birthday to you. You get to go get car shopping. So we all come in here with different needs. Here's the thing. All those needs are legit. All those needs God cares about. But here's the thing. When you encounter Jesus and you really get in His presence, you realize this. Only thing you and I really need is Jesus. 
All the other stuff might seem like needs, and I know it is to some degree to function in our world, but the reality is if all that passes away, and it will, the only thing you and I really need is Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you know him? When you encounter him, you realize he's all you need. She left. She left the water pot. Didn't even think about the main reason she came up there was to get water, and she leaves the water pot. Last thing, what happens? She goes into the city. She starts... Telling everybody she sees. How do we know she really encountered Jesus? How do we know she really worshipped him? We look at the result. How do we know? Some people in social media. How do we know that this revival that happened at Asbury College and all these... How do we know it's legit? How do we know it's true? You know how you know? You'll know by the fruit. The same way I know if you're a child of God or not. Not just because you tell me you're a child of God, but I'll know the Bible says by your fruit I'll know if you're a child of God. The same way I know if worship is legit, the same way I know her worship was legitimate because if you skim on down and you get down to verse 39, here's what the writer tells us. John graciously gives us this information, verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things I have done. So if you really worship, Fruit happens. So I wanted to share all that with you this morning because I wanted to give you and I the opportunity to really worship. Now, there are a lot of ways we can do it, but this morning we're going we're gonna to worship, which is why we're doing the music at the end. If you only had one shot, and you might, because we're not promised tomorrow, Church, if this was the last worship service that you got to be in before you see Jesus face to face, would you want to stand in front of him going, wow, that was an easy modulation. (laughs) I was already worshiping you big time and boom, here you are. Wouldn't be a big progression from one to the other. I hope so. Can you pray with me? Father, thank you. As we get ready to lift your name up here in just a moment and be led by our worship team. Lord, I pray, would you examine, would you examine my heart? Lord, I want to come before you with worship that is worshiping in spirit and truth. Because your word tells us, your word just told us, that's what you're looking for. The Father is seeking worshipers. You are seeking worshipers. Right now, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro to support those whose hearts are completely turned to Him. Would you help us today, Lord? Would you teach us? Would you teach me? Lord, more than anything, when we gather, this time is so significant. It's so important. And we all have so many other things on our agenda that we do have to do because of the world in which we live. So we really want these moments, this hour, hour and ten minutes and small group time, we really, really want it, Lord. We really, really want it to count. We really want to honor you. We really want to worship you. I pray this morning you would help us to do that. Again, Lord, you know our hearts. Man looks on the outward outward, uh, uh, expression, but you look at the heart. You know... You know if we're really worshiping, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. 
Lord, sometimes we can stand quietly. Sometimes we can pray. Sometimes we can sing. But my prayer is, Lord, we would worship you. Church family, I just want to give you about 60 seconds right there in your seat. Just to do business with the Lord, whatever it might be, before we express our heart to Him. Maybe you're visiting this morning, or maybe you've been here a long time, and you, you're saying to yourself, you know what, wow, I can't, wor- I can't worship what I don't know, and I really don't know Jesus. And even as we sing these songs, the last of which will be our invitation song, you feel free, even during these songs, to come grab my hand. I'll be happy to pray with you, kneel with you here, and grab a friend, grab a family member. Maybe today you would just choose to recommit your focus, saying, Lord, I've made all this worship stuff really about me. What particular song I like, or chair I'm in, or the heat, the temperature of the room, whatever. It Really, worship is about you, Lord. Would you forgive me? Because I want this to be about you. Father, I pray, as we sing this morning, Lord, that you would have your way. We do worship you. That's our desire in Jesus' name. Amen. We serve a God that is worthy to be praised, do we not? So I invite you all this morning, take your water jug, set it down, and stand up and worship with us. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.